Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. To all of our viewers and assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. To my esteemed guest, Maulana Akil Sahib. Maulana Sahib, how are you tonight? Walaikum assalamu warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. Once again, thanks for the invite. No, no, no problem. Anytime. Um, so I invited Maulana Sahib on tonight and inshallah in the future we'll continue this. Um, this is something new I want to, you know, delve into, try out more of a, a discussion-based, something we can discuss upon. And tonight, the discussion we're having is upon the hadith um, of our beloved Prophet Muhammad wasallam. The hadith says, Abdullah ibn Umar reported the Messenger of Allah wasallam said, whoever does not show mercy to our young ones or acknowledge the rights of our elders is not one of us. And uh, I don't really need to go into a long introduction of who Maulana Sahib is. He's been on before. Um, so, Maulana Sahib, how do you how do you feel about a discussion based on this hadith? I feel like it's really important. Yeah, Hamsab, um, we spoke about this earlier. Yeah, and it is important. It is important, especially in today's day and age. One of the reasons being is that, unfortunately, we are seeing a lack of the first part of the hadith. Let's just go over the hadith again. Um, you have it there on the screen, right? For, oh, for all the yeah, things, yeah, right? The message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Laysa minna, and there are very, various variants of the hadith. Yeah. There are various wordings of the hadith. So one of the wordings is Laysa minna malam yaham sagirana wa ya'rif sharafa kareem. And there are different um, wordings that come in. There's also another hadith in which mentioned Laysa minna malam yuakir kabirana wa yaraham sagirana wa malam ya'rif um, then there's another hadith in the Muslim, and then it continues. Um, so that that's a, that other one I just mentioned is a separate hadith. But the yeah. first hadith that you discussed there, something you see, maybe at the front or And what essentially the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling us that minna, and that's something to really um, think about. Um, as we discussed, we're not going into the nuances of the hadith or what yeah. the hadith means, etc. We're just going to, or um, the, the, the vocab of the hadith, we're not going into that. But I think it's essential for listeners to understand that here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is highlighting something important and that is for us to remember what Islam is about. Because unfortunately, we live in an era in which um, some of us have restricted Islam to the masjid, yeah. to the madrasa, and that is not correct, right? Unfortunately, we see people of other faiths being religious only when in their place of worship. And then the rest of the time, they behave as they want to, right? Yeah. And it seems to be that some, some of us are becoming like that, right? Or then some of us think that only ibadat, and we have many who are very, very, what, what everyone, will, everyone will consider, who everyone will consider to be very pious, that yeah. they think that Islam revolves around only the burqa, the niqab, and the big dari, the big beard, and wearing a particular type of clothing, and yeah. praying every salah in the front stuff, and that is Islam. And giving your zakat, doing your hajj, um, going for a tabligh, um, you know, when the alim comes, you go and invite him to your home, and that is that is Islam. And then, when it comes to maybe dealing, when it comes to how you meet and greet, when it comes to how you associate with others, then it's zero, right? Um, even when it comes to how you speak to your children or live with your children and wife, then that's zero. So it is important. This hadith is important as it reminds us of all of this, that Laysa minna, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as the commentators mentioned, 
is saying that you're not one of us, meaning that you cannot consider yourself a true believer. You can't yeah. consider yourself a true believer because a true believer is one who not only worships Allah, as the ulama will always mention, you know, Islam is about your aqaid being correct, your beliefs being correct, your ibadat and all the acts of worship being correct, then your mu'amalat and your transactions being correct, then your mu'ashirat and your social dealings being correct, and your akhlaq and your character being correct. All of that is what Islam is about. So this hadith reminds us of this, that don't just think Islam is only about praying, or Islam is only about dress, but also Islam tells you how to deal with people. And mm. in reality, a person is either going to be older than you or younger than you. So subhanAllah, that's, and that's the amazing thing, you know, when, um, and I hope we'll have some young listeners or even old listeners out here who hopefully will have this desire to learn, right? Because mm. essentially, um, whenever we sit for any podcast or any, any um, type of session such as this, it is to create a desire within myself, yourself, and listeners that we want to increase our Islamic knowledge, right? And Islamic knowledge, that as a notion that never ends. So the hope is, so I hope that by hearing this, you know, someone will say, you know what, I need to learn more. I need to learn more. Because um, when we talk about uh, what Islam is about and what, what religion is about, it's, just, it's not only a few basic principles. I, I got lost. What was I saying? I was... No, uh, what's it called? You were talking about it's not about a certain number of principles or something like that, what Islam is. Right. So Islam, right, is, is much greater, is, is much more to it. So when we talk about Laysa Minna, it could be many, many um, different um, discussions. The ulama, when you pick up the big uh, books and, of, of, and the commentaries of the hadith, you'll see many things written under it. So basic understanding is Laysa Minna will be recommended that you cannot consider yourself to be a true or perfect believer because belief is much more than only praying or only fasting and only dressed in a certain way there's much more to it yeah so so the reason i chose this topic is especially in society um what i've noticed is a lot of times people play a strong role or they use a hadith however they may like so a youngster they may do something improper or they may disrespect an elder and then when the elder speaks out or says something even in a soft tone They'll be like, you have no right to talk to me like this because the hadith says to show mercy. And then on the flip side, um, a lot of times you'll run into people who are older than you, um, whether they're related to you or not, um, you'll run into them and they'll be very harsh, very harsh with their tongue. And uh, if you reply to them, not even being rude, if you just reply to them and you're like, look, um, I, I don't think you should talk to me like this. Or you give them a legit reply that something they're doing is improper and you let them know. They're like, look, the, you know, you cannot talk back to me. That's disrespectful. Like just talking back or giving them a response for something wrong they've said, something wrong they've insulted you or something, just giving merely a response. They say, no, you're disrespecting me. But the music or stuff like that. So you're not even allowed to, you know, respond. And so it, it creates a scenario where like, you know, I, I was talking with one individual about this, this session and he was like, yeah, I know a lot of younger people that they disrespect the elders. And when the elders say something, they say, oh, you're supposed to be nice to me. You're being disrespectful. That's why I have to talk to you like this. And on the flip side, when it comes to elders, it goes the same way. Where's the perfect balance we can find on this? Because it seems as though everybody's playing the hadith to their strengths. As I, as I was mentioning, that's where um, I sort of zoned out. Yeah. Um, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that's where, you know, you know, they say the kalam is, um, 
short words, very few words, yeah. but sends great messages. And if yeah. you look at this one again, as I said earlier, what he's saying is that essentially just by mentioning the elderly and the young, that who doesn't show mm. mercy to those who are young? So someone is either going to be younger than you or is going to be older than you. So each time you have to deal with the person either in a respectful manner or in a merciful and a very loving and kind and compassionate manner. And that, that is essentially what it is. Now, we have to remember, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's what, what you're saying um, is an argument that nowadays everyone has. And I think we have to, as individuals, and especially as Muslims, we have to just look at it in the sense that what am I doing or how am I, am I treating people rather than how people are treating me? Um, my teacher, Zaman Salim Sahib, you know, he, he, he always used to mention this, and especially when it was um, on the occasions of nikah. And he would say that, um, unfortunately, we live in, a, in an age in which you'll have wives who read up about the rights of wives before they get married, and yeah. husbands who read up about the rights of husbands before they get married. And then you come into a, to a marriage saying, no, this is my right, and he says, this is my right, and you're not going to get anywhere. Yes, in Islam, the rights are there. And if we, we study the, the, the ahadith, the fiqh, and the jurisprudence, the, uh, and the, the rulings of the imams, and the, the muftiyani kiram, you know, subhanAllah, something simple as if it comes to child custody, or even um, inheritance, and many of the things that can be very problematic, if you have understanding of individuals, that is not, then it doesn't become an issue. But the rules are there to guide people when issues crop up, when there's a fight. So then the Qadi, the judge, the Mufti, the Maulana, the Imam will say, no, 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 you're Steph no to blame. That is actually her right, not your right. Right? That's what rules are there for. So um, it is important that each one of us, whether we're in the capacity of an employer or an employee, as an employee, you should be thinking that how best can I fulfill the rights of my employee? Right? And the employee, yeah. the same thing. How can I fulfill the rights of my employer? And the yeah. same goes for a teacher-student relationship, a husband-wife relationship. And then, of course, coming back to the hadith, if I'm younger, yeah. how am I supposed to treat my uncle? Not how he should treat me. Yeah. You know, there's a hadith. And that's and to answer the youngsters who have this, I'm just going to... There's an incident that's been mentioned regarding Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anh. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, we know of his um, lofty status. We know of all the merits and the virtues of Abu Bakr radiallahu anh. It says that when Abu Bakr radiallahu anh reached old age, many youngsters would compete to serve him. So you had all these young sahaba come in and or the tabi'in come in and they're trying to look out and look out for and serve and do the khidmat of Abu Bakr radiallahu anh. And he was asked that, how come you know you have all these youngsters surrounding you and always ready to help and assist? So Abu Bakr radiallahu anh said that when I was young, I would assist an elderly man. There was an elderly man who had, I would assist. And that, and that's the, what the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us that no youth, no young person treats an elderly person with honor in their old age, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends someone to treat them with honor in their old age. So for all the young listeners out there, that's what you have to really concentrate on, that you're going to get old someday, right? Allah الَّذِي خَلَقُكُمْ مِنْ ضَعْفٍ ثُمَّ جَعَلٍ بَعْدِ ضَعْفٍ قُوَّةٍ ثُمَّ جَعَلٍ بَعْدِ قُوَّةٍ ضَعْفٍ وَشَيْبًا You know, you're creating the, the stages of, 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 um, of life is being mentioned. At first you were weak, 
and then you're, you're strong. Then after that strength, now you once again become weak. You have your gray hair. We go through those stages. So at the age of, um, especially from adolescence on, is when you really start seeing these um, different attitudes coming out in young people. If you think that I'm at 15, 16, even 20, and I don't need anyone, but yeah, brother, you know, you sister, you know, you're going to get 40, 50. You're going to need some help. And inshallah, if you help and you look out to me, assist in whatever way you can, the elder in your community, the, the mama, the chata, the, the khala, the, the poopy, you know, the, the auntie, whoever it is, and you look out for these individuals. When you're young, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you get older, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will automatically place it in the hearts of the youth around you. Even though you may not even have your own children, but the youth around you will want to come and just look out for you and help you. And again, we go back to Abu Bakr, even as a Khalif. And that's for every youngster to remember that even though he was the Khalif of the Muslims, he was still going out at night. And there was this, uh, that famous narration that he would go and Umar saw him going in the dark of the night somewhere. And what was he doing? He was going to an elderly lady's home. She was blind. She couldn't help herself. And he would go there to assist. And that, that, that shows, and these, this, that's who we, those are the individuals who we follow. And that teaches us a lot. Now, when it comes to the flip side now, for the elderly, the elderly always have to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you a time in this world as well. And one of, and the greatest thing that you can leave behind is a generation of individuals who are connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Yeah. That's what we need to do, right? Essentially, that's what all of us all of us are here. As a teacher, as an imam, as a father, no matter who you are, you know, you, you look to the future generation, that you want that future generation to be, I know, and then from Islamic concept, to be on deen, to be on Islam, to be practicing on, on the pillars of Islam. And that's, your, yeah, that's the greatest legacy that you can leave behind. So in a broader... Um, if you think about it in a broader spirit of, of how, of how we as believers and how as, and as, um, in the dimension of us being, um, going to the masjid, we're part of a masjid environment. We're part of a madrasa environment. We're in the social setup amongst us as Muslims. We go to weddings and dawahs and walimas and all of these things together. For the elderly, it is essential for them to remember that how you treat the youngsters will have a bearing on how they continue to live their life, especially in a Western environment and with all the challenges that they face. Yeah. I mean, Alhamdulillah, you're, you're highlighting it in a very nice way. My favorite one is uh, Imam and the board of a masjid, um, where the board should make it easy enough for the Imam that he can function and benefit the people, but hold them accountable enough so that he can, you know, he does his job, that he doesn't become lazy. But at the same time, the imam should give mm -hmm. enough of an effort that, you know, they don't feel that way. But generally speaking, the board of the masjid usually expects more than the imam can even give humanly possible. Um, so you got to find that balance. I'm an imam, so you got to put me on a um, tight spot here. Yeah, I mean, essentially that's what it is. I mean, each person has, see, all of us, have certain duties and certain responsibilities. Yeah. And essentially, that's what we need to remember all the time. Um, as, you know, everyone, so a board or management board, committee, whatever you want to call it, 
They have certain responsibilities. Imams have certain responsibilities. And for it to function, you have to understand what your duties and what your responsibilities are. And especially in a, and I'm going to come back to this point again, because you mentioned it earlier that when, when you see a chacha or an uncle or, you know, nana, dada, who will say something and the youngster responds, they take, they take it as a sort of, um, being very, very disrespectful. Now, this is something that I always try to, um, try my best to let the elders understand. Is that culture's different, right? Culture's different. Yeah. Um, my dad, your dad, when they were growing up, they lived in a culture in which um, youngsters usually or generally would not talk. I remember speaking to an individual, and it still amazes me. He was saying to see us, he was saying it with a bit of, of pride about it that, you know, I'm whatever years old. My son, and his son, I know his son, his son is in. It's probably in his 30s at the time. He's saying, you know, my son, um, still at this moment, when I'm home, he wouldn't say a word. He wouldn't talk in front of me. And he was, like, celebrating the fact that this was his tarbiya. And he's made it, right? Yeah. But little did he know what his son was doing on the outside, right? <laughs> um, but so that's what it comes down to. Because yeah. if that is tarbiya, that... In front of you, your son is going to sit like a mouse or your daughter is going to sit, you know, like a mouse and not say anything. And you think you've been successful because when you come in the house, they run to their rooms and they don't converse with you. Maybe they go and converse with the mother and the other relatives but yeah. because of you. And you're thinking, oh, he's doing that out of respect. Then then you're wrong. Then you're wrong. Right. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you just come back to that hadith. Of the youngster coming and saying, Oh, Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, allow me the, grant me permission to commit adultery. Yeah. Now, now, just imagine that. Just imagine that. Here's a youngster facing the dilemma. He understands he's in a spiritual crisis. And then he comes to the messenger. He's looking for assistance. Allah's messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa doesn't say a hard word to him. He doesn't say harsh, anything harsh. He doesn't get vexed with him. You know, in that kind manner, in that loving manner, he um, really allows him to understand his, his mistake and his error in the affair. And then he makes dua, he supplicates, and never again does the young Sahabi have any inclination towards that evil. And that speaks volumes, right? Yeah. So cultures are different. And especially now that we're living in a, in a Western society, right? Um, our parents or grandparents would have emigrated to these, to, these, to these lands. And I'm sure perhaps the social framework of even what we consider back home is also changing. Right. Yeah. Um, when you go to school, you're expected to speak up. Right. Yeah. Um, even back in, I'm talking from a Robinist perspective as well, in which um, adab and respect and manners, uh, you know, still pay, play a very, very vital role. Like, for example, you can't walk down the road and see an elderly a man or lady, but you have to say, hello, good afternoon, how's things? Mummy, mm. how are you? Daddy, how's, the, how's everything going? Yeah. You know, you're expected to say that. Right. Yeah. Um, and even at school too, as well, you know, you have to respect um, the teachers. For example, once the teacher enters the class, you, you rise and you stand up. You won't leave the class until the teacher doesn't um, dismiss the class. All of those things are there. You're expected if you see the teacher and they're walking with their books, you go and help them and take the books to the staff room. All of those things you're expected to do. 
Um, but yeah, we're in a changing environment. We're in a changing environment now where youngsters have been are given an opportunity to express their thoughts. Yeah. Right? We sit in classrooms in which teachers ask you for opinion. You have discussions in which you debate. Yeah. And subhanAllah, that's not foreign to Islam. No, we see, look at the mashwar of Rasulullah. That's why I hope any any elder, elderly chacha or auntie listening, don't get it, don't get it, um, don't get offended. But the <laughs> Rasulullah, he had created this culture in which young people could speak and could speak, um, express what they what their thoughts were. Look at the mashwara and the consultation before the Battle of Uhud. Remember Badr, there were 313, and Badr was not a planned expedition. You know, it was that's why it was not compulsory in, in any sense. And here we had Uhud, in which Rasulullah sat down and the mashwara was being made. The elders, they had one rai, one opinion, um, that, you know, we stay within Medina, we don't go out and we, we fight from here, basically. And the younger Sahaba, subhanAllah, that's what I want to touch on, uh, I want to express. That the younger Sahaba had a different view. They wanted to go out. Many of them had missed butter. They yeah. wanted now that we be able to go out and, you know, show our strength. We are here for you, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam accepted their idea. He accepted their opinion. You know, when he went into the room to put on his armor, and then the elderly Sahaba started to, um, you know, say to them that what you're doing, you know, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually wanted to stay. From here, he didn't want to go out, and, but yeah. since you were basically uh, pushing the idea, he agreed to it. And then they went to apologize. He said, no, no, I put on my armor, we're going to go out. Right? So that shows that the, the openness, the frankness of a discussion that he allowed the Sahaba to have. Again, there's another lovely incident of one Sahabi, a young Sahabi, who was sitting next to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was drinking something. And then he handed it now, of course, as we say, the, the, the right is for the person on your, on your yeah. right. Yeah. And it was the young Sahabi. So he said to the young Sahabi that if you wish, and you allow me, and again, I, this shows Allahu Akbar, the humility, the humbleness of Allah's messenger. And he, mm -hmm. He's the messenger of Allah. He can say that Abu Bakr, come drink. Yeah. Right? Omar, Abdurrahman, come and drink. No, he doesn't do that. He says, um, he looks at the Sahabi, if you allow me to give to the elders, and then you drink after. And he said, no. <laughs> right? The young son said, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to give them preference over, over your leftovers. And he, he drank. <laughs> and that, so again, this shows, this shows so much. Now, we, in today's day and age, we may consider that to be disrespectful. Yeah. Right? Allah's messenger didn't say anything. That's his yeah. right. Right? So what, I, I think we have to know to understand that what does disrespect mean? Yeah. Right? What does disrespect mean? On what respect is, I think we should just more focus on like what respect is. Respect is more yeah. about coming from the heart. Yeah. That you yourself know that you want to be respectful to yeah. everyone, and you look at it as a duty, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has told you, the Messenger of Allah has told you, we've been commanded as young people to respect our elderly, regardless of who they are, where they're from, even their their um, religion as well. We find Umar of Allahu an, you know, honoring the Jewish elderly man. Um, who who was he, yeah. he saw begging and he said no no yes. no we we were taking the jizya from you you're begging no no yeah. no this can't work and we saw we see Abu Bakr going to look after the to the elderly ladies you know he says that when Abu Bakr passed away you had everyone crying and some of the slave girls in Medina were crying why are you crying for oh 
this was a man who would come and milk our animals for us, right? Mm. Um, so respect, we, we respect our elders, respect our seniors because it is their right. Allah and his messengers told us. And that should be the first um, point for every young person to remember that we don't respect because we have to. We respect because Allah has told us to. Mm. And of course, when you do something that Allah has told you to do, your reward is guaranteed. Your reward is guaranteed. And then, of course, it makes sense to help them, as we learn from the hadith. You respect them now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will um, grant you someone and, and create people who will respect you when you get into your old age. And then, along with that, what does respect mean? Now, respect in each culture will be different, right? Yeah. Um, perhaps in our culture, respect means more like, you know, you giving your chair to the, to the elderly person. When he comes into when he comes into the gathering, yeah. and that should be there. You know, there's one elderly person came into the gathering of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he and he told the Sahaba, you know, you got to, um. Wait one second. And he said he said to them that you know give some way, give give a, give a little place for this for this elderly um individual to sit. So that's um. That is there. So, and maybe in our, in our culture, there may be a thing of addressing them because we don't address with by their name. We address by yeah. titles. Yeah. So, that is something, again, that's essential and um, I'm seeing coming out from our, from, from our cultures, which is wrong. You know, we need to address people by their titles. So, Chacha, Mama. That's you know, why I, Kala, I can call you Chacha and Mama the other day. Right, right. That's why you asked me that the other day. So, that's it. And that, that needs to remain, right? And we, we look at the hadith as well. Ya Ammi. You know, the, the hadith of um, Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu in the when he's in the Battle of Badr. And the Sahabi, one Sahabi, a young Sahabi, took that shirt. Ya Ammi. Atarif Aba Jahlid. The next one, when he took that shirt, he said the same thing. No, this Abdurrahman bin Awf was not your real uncle. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're addressing that, him in that manner. And the same way we see... Um, when it comes came to addressing the youngsters, the hadith, Ya Ghulam, how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa address, or Ya, whatever the case may be, and the Sahaba, they had this Ya Yabna Um, Yabna Ammi, you know, these things would be, um, would, 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 was normal, right? Yeah. So, or, so, so I think the things of the way we address, we need to keep that up, because far too often, I think, we're a bit blindsided by Western values and, and, yeah. and, um, in which people just address even their parents by their own names. And uh, that, yeah. that essentially is wrong. Um, yeah. Even in our home structure, usually, you know, the eldest brother is called by Bai or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that's also, that, that has also come into an end in our culture as well. And it needs to, it, we need to bring that back in because yeah. that is essential. See, when you have, when you speak it, then it'll automatically come into you. Once yeah. you try it, it'll come into you. So those, those concepts, um, I think that we're losing out on, we need to bring back. Um, and then respect, everyone knows what respect is. Talking back or answering back in a harsh voice, of course, that's a no-no. Yeah, but yeah. when you're asked your opinion, you give it, yeah. right? And you can also debate with an elder, with the quorum, with, with the other. And that's also fine, right? That's also fine. Unfortunately, that's where 
that's where now the other argument for of the elders need to um you know that they their their understanding um has to be there. Yeah, they have to understand that when young people speak to them, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're being disrespectful. We all know what disrespect means, right? I'm a teacher and I know I tell my students are allowed to speak, you know, and people sometimes are quite amazed at it, that they speak so freely. But yeah, that's what students do, right? You allow them to speak. But of course, there's a limit. Yeah. Of course, there's a limit. You well, can't I mean, go overboard. One of the things about it is, you know, we live in Western societies now. And uh, a lot of times, like our youngsters, they will see or face discrimination. So we also need to teach them the mechanisms to defend themselves or their elders. For example, you go into a market and you see an elderly lady who's wearing a hijab being discriminated against. And the person who's discriminating against is older than you. It doesn't matter how old that person is. You need to defend your sister. Um, it happened It happened one time. A lady, an elderly Egyptian sister, she got into an accident. She was going straight and somebody pulled out in front of her and hit her car. Um, I saw her and I recognized her. She's a family friend. So I pulled off to the side of the road. I asked her, are you doing okay? Is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, you know, a little bit of jartka, like, you know, um, vibration happened, you know, whatever you want to call it. And then the police officer came. So when the police officer came, this was an uh, this was a Arab lady. And the girl who caused the accident was a, a Caucasian, a white person. So I don't know whether this was his instant thing or something that this lady doesn't know how to drive because she's a foreigner. He goes to the white girl and he asks her, he asked her in front of me, are you okay? And uh, it was her fault. Can you tell me what happened? And as soon as I heard that, I went up to him and I was like, no, no, no. She caused the accident. She pulled out in front of her. And uh, the police officer was a little bit taken back. And then he, the girl's like, no, no, he's right. I did cause the accident. It was my fault. And so he was trying to instantly accuse the Muslim sister of causing the accident. She was a very old lady, like, you know, closer to my grandmother's age. And, you know, I was like, you know, this is not acceptable. So something like this happens. So, you know, we've we've become somewhat trained to obviously defend. And if we don't defend or we don't learn these mechanisms, then, you know, our ulama of the old, they used to be very well versed in these things. And they used to teach their students and people of their societies. And this is art which has become lost on us. That we're not learning these things of how to right, defend. See, Adab, Adab, yeah. is not, Adab is not to sit in the corner of a room yeah. and remain silent. That is not Adab. Yeah. Adab is doing the right time yeah. at the right moment in the right yeah. manner. I, I guess yeah. we can say that that is what Adab is. Because, yeah. for example, you know how we, how we say that um, there's a famous um, quotation of the scholars that Al-Amru Fawq Al-Adab. That one is that you, um, you know, you want to do something for yeah. someone. Say, say you have a, a teacher. Yeah. Your ustad tells you, um, but you come and sit here, and you say, no, no, no. Say, you have to treat me. You come and sit here. And no, 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 no. No, he's telling you. So that's why he say, al amru al adab. That the command is greater. Is um, takes precedence. And that, yeah. and there's a the incident from the hadith. Of when Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Sayyidina Abu Bakr radhiyallahu an, you know they they reached um, Medina to the Munawwara, and or it was it was Kuba when they migrated and the first yeah, instance yeah, yeah. of the, everyone coming, yeah, it was midday. It was sorry, Abu Bakr radhiyallahu anhu Nabi sallallahu was tired, yeah, and he goes and everyone is thinking those because they had not seen the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they see that Abu Bakr seems a bit mysterious, even though he was younger in age. Yeah. He had he had aged more. 
And yeah, Allah's yeah. Messenger, of course, is Allah's Messenger. Yeah. And they're coming and they're doing mulaqat to yeah. greet and the musafaha and whatever. And he's doing it. Yeah. And he's not saying anything. And it says that it was only when the sun became hot and they saw Abu Bakr radiallahu standing, shading yeah. the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that they realized, oh, this is the Messenger. <laughs> so that's what Adam is about. Right? That's yeah. what Adam is about. Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. Right? Um, you know, someone comes and just given it just uh, I guess we can say someone comes, knocks at your door, Hafiz said, he's your dad in. And you know this may be a this is you know your dad is, is, is sleeping. This is the only time yeah. he gets his rest during the day. So are you gonna say because an elderly chacha, are you gonna say, um and you know that your dad or he needs this rest because he has a long yeah. journey ahead of him. So yeah. are you gonna say, No, no, Chacha, come, I'm gonna wake up Abba. <laughs> are you gonna say no, um respectfully, uncle? My dad is asleep. Um, I'll, I'll give him your message. And that's what Adam demands at the time. So mm-hmm. Adam is to do the right thing. So just to sit in the corner or not saying anything. So even and now going back to the Mashwara point, because yeah. that's where we find a lot of issues with, between the young and the elderly. Yeah. Maybe it could be a, a Tabligi Mashwara, a Masjid Mashwara, or maybe a community Mashwara, whatever the case may be. So if you're in a Mashwara, Essentially, what we are taught in our Sharia is that everybody has the right to speak, right? Yeah. You have a right to your opinion, and you can voice your opinion. No one is supposed to belittle it. So in those instances, that is where now the elderly need to guide the young people, right? You need yeah. to guide the youngsters who are under your care, because that's what leadership is about, right? You yeah. got to know, so you allow them to speak frankly. Yeah, and there will be, maybe um, if they're going to give 10 suggestions, five might be valid, five might not be valid. And then you explained, you use that as a, as a teaching moment that, you know, but you know, you're saying this, but two years ago, um, when you were in high school and you can attend this much, we actually discussed this and we tried it and then it didn't work. So that's why I guess we don't do it again. Yeah. But just to say, no, can't work or, yeah. you know, just ignore him. That sort of, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. So, so uh, I remember you were talking about when the Prophet made it to Medina. Um, so, if you remember whose house he stayed at, was, it was Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari's house, right? Abu Ayyub Ansari, So, when he stayed at his house, the discussion was the Prophet said that I will be getting a lot of guests. Let us, uh, you know, sleep, you know, at you know at the bottom. And he was like, Hazrat Ayyub Ansari. I, I forgot how it went. And yeah, was, so that I can't be above you. You're the messenger yeah. of Allah. And, yeah. And then he realized that. You know, it, it could it couldn't work. Yeah. And then he, he um when he that night when he some water yeah a vessel of water broke yeah and the water started slipping down and he was yeah. really agitated, he was very frightened. Yeah. Um he didn't want to move to disturb Rasulullah, etc. Yeah. So, you know, and then the Bisallah consulted, no no boy, you that's not a problem, that's not a problem. Right? Yeah. So that's that's what that's what it's about, right? And subhanAllah, you know, Allah's message Allah what is it? You know, he taught that. So to the, to the uncle who may be in Etikaf and you have the little kids running around outside, yeah, the little kids will tell the little kids that, please, you know, don't go in that corner where uncle is because yeah. he's resting or he's in Ibadah. Yeah. But uncle also should have a little understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Will this, be is, kids. this is something we go back and forth in now in, in Masajid. There's a sheikh in Pakistan. His name is Mufti Abdul Wahid Qureshi. Um, he is from Dera Ismail Khan. And uh, he said he said his own story about how he took his kids to Juma and he brings his kids for all the all of the prayers and stuff. And he's like, when my kids come, um one chacha came in the masjid and he said to me, Bachi Shorbot Machate, I end up Bachogonilana. And 
he says to this chacha, he's like, and obviously he's a Molana, he's the Imam of the Masjid. He's like, Mayani film Like, should I take him to the movie theater if I don't bring him here? He's like, and then it became silent. He's like, Well, tell them not to make noise here. He's like, if they don't make noise in the masjid, that means they're not here. So similarly, especially in America, a lot of times what happens is uh, if we do have a maktab program in the masjid, um, generally speaking, we try to put it in between the salahs. And then when we put it in between you know, our namazes, the salah, um, people will be there for one of the salah and they will hear the kids making noise and be like, oh, don't have the kids here during salah. If the kids are not there for the fard salah, uh, which is happening with jamaat, and they don't see it and they don't participate in it, how do you expect them to come in the future? And that's what we try well, to explain to people. I was like, children are children. Children will be children. Yeah. Right? Um, I'm sure as a teacher, you get the blame. I get the blame. We all get the blame from the from the people on the outside. Oh, you guys don't teach them adab. You don't teach them to keep quiet. Listen, all of us do. Each teacher will tell your children before going down, uh, before going for salah, bye, you know, behave yourself. <laughs> you can't have, but you will get, and then it's that domino reaction. One sh- one kid may start to shout, say something, then he nudges. We've been there, done that, right? Yeah. You know, you're standing in line and you push one, and next yeah. one pushes, and then the whole line topples over. Or, yeah. And that happens maybe once like, a week. You got like 30 or once a, yeah. you got 30 it happens. sugar. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, it's something that's, of course, what now becomes the teacher's responsibility is that he explains and you keep explaining. But look, we're going for Salah. What is Salah? We're going to pray Salah. What is Salah? What is Salah about? And we're going there. But you will expect because these are nobody. These are children who have not reached age of maturity. Yeah. Then many of them are, and then especially we're talking about the younger children, the seven, eight, nine, nine. You're going to, even you take the most Sufi Saab child, right? Yeah. For lack of a better, better description. And you take him. I'm sure at least one day during his childhood, he would have done something stupid in the masjid. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that, that is it. And so it's expected. But what the how the reaction should be, how are you supposed to respond as an elder? Sometimes you just got to see and don't see. Yeah. Because these are something, as you said, we've got to make the environment of the masjid one yeah. that which embraces that. A child can know and should know that I can come here anytime. I can come here anytime. You know, like yes, yes, just yesterday, this one, this one cha-cha who's, mashallah, he's always there shouting at. We know him as being one. Any little, little, little issue yeah. with children, if they're running or they're outside, maybe screaming or shouting, he'll be the first to shout. So, and, and I, it's just like yesterday, it was just like little kids. Huh? <laughs> He's actually not that old either. But, <laughs> sure. you know, the, the kids are closing the door. Yeah. And, you know, kids are kids. Yeah. Right? And these are two. And then suddenly from the middle of the machine, he says, hey, you know, and there's a big shout. So then the other older kids look at me and say, he always has to say something here. He always has to say something. Yeah. And, and reflecting on it is like, doesn't he think? That maybe if one of these kids then decided to say, go home and say, we can't go back to mosque because so-and-so cha-cha is always shouting at us. Yeah. Let's, and the next time there's Sarah in the masjid, they say, we're not going in. Because, yeah. or I don't want to stand next to him. Or I don't want to be around him. Then what, 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 what are you doing? Right? And it's nothing major. But as yeah. I said, if it's something major, if it's an issue, 
then they're the right steps to do it. And that's also, again, where we as Muslims and even the elderly need to look at how Rasulullah corrected mistakes, right? How did the Wasallam, you know, if someone did something wrong, how did he admonish them? How did he rectify the issue? These are things to look at. So, so like, let me give you a personal example. Like, right now, because of COVID, everything over here, the masjids are back to, like, capacity-wise normal. I don't know. How is it in Barbados right now? Let me let you drink the water. We're up and down. We're up and down. Up and down? Uh, at the yeah. moment, we are back to 100 only. Previously, okay. we had been back to capacity, but with masks and social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. Then a few weeks ago, we had a little spike. Yeah. Um, compared to what you guys, how you guys are running and how, how yeah. your country is being run, Alhamdulillah, I think our country, our islands being um, very, very um, cautious in how they proceed. It's, it's so, easier to run course, an island. Yeah. It's of easier course, to run course. an island of 100 people, man. 300,000 people <laughs> compared to, to millions, right? So, so, so anytime there's a, an, an, a spike, yeah. a spike in your case is probably thousands. A spike in our case is 15 cases, right? <laughs> 20 cases. So uh, a few weeks ago, we had a little spike, and so what happened was um, they've now they've now limited it to a hundred people in the masjid. Yeah. So so but, my, I used to take my son all the time for salah. You know, even sometimes people disagreed. Um, so then what happened is he he didn't know how to make azan obviously, but he would put his hands against his ears and you know say something in his own language. And then when we would go for salah, he would stand beside me and pray. Okay, so then when COVID happened. We would still go to the masjid, but we wouldn't take him. You know, obviously, you don't want the child to get sick. You're a little bit older. Your respiratory system may be stronger, so you don't take the risk. We used to go, and he would cry. Every day, this kid who's two and a half, three years old would cry. He would want to go to the masjid. Um, so then, eventually, for one year, he didn't go to the masjid. So obviously, I would come home and pray my sunnah, but it's not the same thing. He sees the majma praying, and then he sees his dad praying. It's a bit of a difference. He, he had the mindset, when we go to the masjid, even as at two, that when we go to the masjid, we stand and we pray. So, but now when we go to the masjid, he just sits because he lost over the course of one year, he lost that feeling or that, you know, perception of how it is. Inshallah, he'll get back into it. He's still young. He's still three. But what I'm saying is a child as young as two or one can understand this. And if we kick them out from the masjid and we bring them in at 15 or 16 or we try and then we cry when they don't come in, we don't have anybody to blame but ourselves. And and you're right, you're right, Hafizab, you're right. Um as ch children they, they visualize, they watch, they see, yeah. they observe, and that's how they learn. Um I was reading a book on Tiger Woods and the the authors, two authors, basically um a good a good work on him. So um they were they were looking at him from his from his uh from his childhood. And they explained that when he, from the time he was six months old, he was six months old, his mother would take him into the garage where his father, and his father, you know, was an ex-military man, a person who was really fond of golf, and his father would be in the garage hitting balls. Yeah. And from the age of six months, Tiger would be there with his mom, and he would sit for one, two, three hours. He says that his mother would wait, would bring the food there, little cereal or whatever you feed a little child and yeah. she would wait for him to open his mouth and then she would put the food in mm. and so of course when you're seeing that from the age of six months as you know psychologists you know they, they, they point out all of these things that automatically you know that 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 is engraved in the brain 
So there's no secret that at the age of two now, you shouldn't be shocked that at the age of two now, you have Tiger picking up a club and hitting the golf balls. When you've seen it from the age of, of six months. So the same thing, you know, that, that, that should be a lesson for all of us. And then it also says that um, his father had made a little golf club for him. So whereas you'd have other children walking around with a, a security blanket or a favorite toy or a teddy bear or something, here Tiger's walking around with that golf cue. Because that's how his dad and his mom, they show, showered him and showed him love. And they showed him a lot of love and showed him that, yeah, see this golf cube I'm giving you. Because his, his father and his mother, they planned for him that you're going to become the greatest golfer. Mm. And they did everything they could for this, for that, right? Um, so the same, if we as Muslims and who have the akhir or the hereafter as the reality, as everything, right? And we know salah is an essential part of it. Dhikr, adhkar, tilawat of the Quran is an essential part of it. Now, if our children can see us from that small age up, down in Ruku, you know, we, we, we see the children. We see children at the age of two doing a sajda, right? Yeah. Going into Ruku or, you know, flopping over. Um, and they do it because they've seen us. And that's what we need to continue. We need to continue seeing that, um, yeah. sh- showing them that. Asad and Hussein would go to the, Rabbi Allah Ta'ala would go to the masjid. Rasulullah Sallallahu other grandchildren would go, other children would go. And that's normal. That's normal. Right. Um, what was, and what was the, the name of his grand granddaughter who used to go to the masjid? I don't remember. Her Mama, name. I think it was. She used Mama to climb on top of him during Yes. Sir. So that's. <laughs> so what else do we need to say, right? Um, yeah. And especially when it comes to the maktab, uh, like I always tell um, parents as well, is that one of the like, even in Barbados during school times, yeah. our maktab is in the evening, four to seven. Yeah. Yeah. And the benefit of that, right, and, and non-school um, vacation days, then we have maktab in the morning where we can really focus a lot on, on the children's development and their education. But the evening one, um, what will happen is two salahs come in, asr and maghrib. And that is so essential for the development of a child. Because yeah. as you would know as well, unfortunately, there will be some parents who may not necessarily go to salah every day in the masjid. They may pray at home, whatever, but then Juma to Juma. But here you're having then these kids who will come and then they have the opportunity to see Salah daily. That yeah. will revolve, inshallah. That will revolve. Inshallah. inshallah. So, Malan Saab, what do you have for us as far as parting advice of basic respect between people? Just some parting advice, whether it's an elder or a youngster or uh, a mulazim or the boss, it doesn't matter who I think is. I think we have to, each one of us, and I think there's something that as we get older, we forget. We forget that we were kids one day. Once upon a time, we were also four years old and 10 years old and 15 years old. So sometimes as an elderly person, you look back and reflect that I'm speaking to a 15-year-old boy here or a 15-year-old girl here. How was I at that time? I have to speak according to their understanding, their level of maturity, and also um, consider that what how I grew up is... It's significantly different to how they're growing up. And you understand that. Um, so put, put yourself always in people's shoes. And I think that's essential in every, in every aspect. So the young child who is now speaking to the grandfather who's 50 plus should think to himself that, oh, you know what? If I'm a 50-year-old man, how would I want a little child to speak to me? Mm. And when you're an employer, employee, put yourself in the, in the shoes that, okay, I'm the employer. 
um, I'm giving my my staff half hour break. It's half hour break enough. If I was there working on the on the warehouse floor, but half hour break enough for me. And when you're the employee, uh, employee, and you know have to say something bad about your employer, you know, think twice that you know what. He has a whole business to run. I just got to take a salary. I just have a very minimal job to do. So let me put myself that if I was sitting there in that chair in the office having to make decisions which affect the livelihood of a hundred plus staff, then what's going to happen? Yeah. So I think essentially that it comes down to that. We put ourselves in, in the shoes of others and, and we think that how would, how would we be reacting to those situations? And then we move on and try to create love. Try to create love. Um, that animosity, hatred, everything. You know, we, we try to push that aside. We just, and if in the event we see someone who may have disrespected us in some way or someone who will not be merciful upon us, let it go. Let it go and move on. Don't dwell upon it. Jazakallah khair, for your time and for I hope, the I hope we've been, I hope both of us have, have contributed and been beneficial to some of our listeners, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Inshallah, most definitely. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah, jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.